Welcome to episode 101 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy features conversations with Canadian theatre makers with conversations with artists of all stripes, from actor to director to playwright and more. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. This week, my guest is Jackie P.A. Thomas. Jackie is the Artistic Director of Theatre Gargantua, which celebrates 25 years of making theatre this year. Their 25th anniversary production, Reflector, is on now until November 18th at Theatre Passe in Toronto. Before we start talking about Reflector, okay. I would like to talk a little bit about Theatre Gargantua. Yeah. Um, I mean, Theatre Gargantua is, like, is a, a physical theatre company. And how long has Theatre Gargantua been around? I started it 25 years ago. 25 years ago? Yeah. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was it that drew you to, like, why did you feel the need to start the company? Well, I was I spent about uh, three years outside of Canada working with a bunch of different theater practitioners mm-hmm. in different parts of the world, um, and uh, some of those experiences were, were were quite intense. I spent um, about maybe a year and a half working in Poland, in, and at that time, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Poland had just become uh, well, the wall had just fallen, the, the Berlin Wall had right, just right, just right. fallen. And uh, uh, the particular group that I was working with was um, uh, a very well-known group in Europe. They're a Polish theater company called Gajnica, and they mm-hmm. worked in this small village uh, in sort of Poland, uh, uh, a place uh, just outside of Lublin. Uh, and the village was actually called Gajnica, the same name as the company. Uh, and I and I spent quite an intense period of time working with this with this company and developing. Um, I would I would say actually the whole time I was outside of Canada mm-hmm. and and working with these different theater uh, practitioners and and gathering different sort of methodologies, I was uh, kind of inventing sort of a hybrid in my mind mm-hmm. of what of the of these things of what I loved. And when I came back to Canada, I thought, you know, I really want to create something that's different here, mm-hmm. and I really want to use the experiences that I had. And uh, for me, the way the vehicle for that was to create a company and find a group of artists that were interested in um, exploring um, creation in the way that I had sort of in, in those different methods that I had gathered on my on my journeys. So that's sort of what I did when I came back. I I um, started a company and I invited a bunch of um, artists to work with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those artists uh, have have remained, like some of the original mm. artists uh, are are here from from all those years ago. And you know, of course, uh, over the past twenty five years, so many different people have come through the company in terms of creators that yeah. you know yeah, those things change. Your methodology changes a little yeah. bit and grows, and and the artists grow. What is the 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 methodology of of creating a show for theater again to it? So for us, we uh, um, a lot of it's kind of based on what I call a creative cycle. So for us, it takes two years from start to finish. And this has been 
it's it's very, I get I would say that it's quite common today to have a uh, theater work that is built over a longer period of mm-hmm. time. Yeah. The standard sort of three week rehearsal period, two weeks of yeah, yeah. Uh, performances is 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 um, I would say not practice as much as it was twenty five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly in English Canada, that was sort of the norm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you you created a you created a work, um, rehearsed it for a few weeks, and then you had it up for a few weeks, and then then you shelved it. Mm. But a lot of my experience um, in Europe, in Eastern Europe, um, and with the companies that I was working with in North America, they were kind of built on that tradition of ensemble mm. tradition, where you sort of create something over a longer period of time. Right. And so, um, and certainly that was the case with my, the company that I work with in Poland. And I tried to figure out how can we do that um, in North America and pay North American wages mm-hmm. and sustain a company over that length of time. And I, I thought the solution to that would be, um, you know, just breaking it down into different phases. So from the onset, I thought, okay, a spring phase, sort of get the ideas out, uh, uh, something happening in the summertime, um, sort of a smaller uh, smaller phase to sort of check in on the work. And then in the fall of the first year would be sort of the presentation of all of the elements together, mm-hmm. the design with the music, with the uh, text, with like the first version of everything. And then in year two, we would basically have the same amount of time but we would be more focused with our uh, with each mm. of those phases, and and it would really be individualized depending on what the production need. Maybe maybe the spring of the second year, maybe it was just uh, focusing on the text, or maybe it was just focusing on the music. Or mm. uh, generally, our, our summer phase has become a design phase mm. uh, over the last few years, and then we premiere it in the fall of the second year, and then and then once we premiere it, we start to tour it. Well, we're developing a new one at home, so that's sort of the the cycle of the company. Do you know what the show is about when you start? Uh, we have an idea mm-hmm. of what of what it's about, but sometimes what it's about reveals itself mm-hmm. as we're creating it. Yeah. Um, so, and sometimes you start with something, and something else comes up mm-hmm. that is more urgent mm-hmm. and more pressing. And that's actually what happened with this show. Okay. This show was actually supposed to be something completely different. This cycle of work was supposed to be something completely different. And then um, I was in my car driving, and uh, the news of this uh, little boy, this little Turkish boy, who had washed up on a on, mm. on a sh- mm. on the uh, shoreline of uh, sorry, not Turkey, Syrian boy who had washed yeah. up on the on the shoreline in Turkey. Um, and then and then just seeing that image. And it struck me so profoundly yeah. that, um, you know, for weeks afterwards, I just couldn't get it out of my head. And and then all the other things that followed, like my daughters both attended Deucin Street Public School, mm. and they were one of the first schools to um, challenge other schools to, to sponsor Syrian families. Right. You know, I mean, it affected our election. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was, you know... Um, that that war had been going on for so many years. Yeah. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people uh, died. Millions of people were displaced. But that one photograph mm-hmm. seemed to galvanize the world in a way that nothing had before then. Yeah. And and that and that got me considering. Okay, how does that? What is, what is it about that photograph that did that? So it's not really this piece is not about the war at all or mm-hmm. about that particular incident. Although that was certainly the uh, springboard for this particular work, but 
it was about the idea of of an image and how an image has that um, mm-hmm. ability to make positive change or mm-hmm. ability to awaken something. And we have them. We, we even have them that actually predate the internet. Now it's so different because everything is so instant. We have right. so many millions of, you know, amateur photographers <clears throat> snapping yeah. pictures all the time and sharing them all the time. Yeah. But something like, um, you know, Napalm Girl, uh, yeah. that's that predates the internet. Yeah. But we all know that photograph, yeah. right? And so uh, there is there is something really specific about images, particularly images that are taken by war photographers, yeah. right? Uh, that are uh, that hit us in a profound way sometimes. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting because images. I think because it's so easy to take them now, they mean a little less. Mm-hmm. We take so many pictures during the day yep. that were our throwaway. Whereas at one time you had to worry about how much film do I have in my camera? That's true, yeah. <clears throat> how much is it going to cost mm-hmm. to develop this picture? Mm-hmm. And now we're able to just take as many pictures as we need. That's right. And yeah. throw them away almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there are, and, and that's I guess that's my point, like how, what, in this world of like billions mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of, of images, like continuous nonstop you know, shutter mm-hmm. uh, capture. What is it about those photos that actually stand out in our minds? Mm. What is it about those that kind of freeze that time forever yeah. for us? Mm. Uh, you know, um, I remember exactly where I was when the shuttle exploded. Yeah, yeah. I it's just too. like exactly. Yeah, and it was that image that I yeah. just I just couldn't get out of my mind. You know, yeah. and it recalls everything about it yeah so there's just certain ones that just don't uh leave us no and it's and it's curious and it's like what what is it like what what is that it's like it's almost like the afterburn that that, the permanent afterburn that we have in our brains Mm. you know and 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 that was sort of the starting point for this for this production and the my next question might be a little bit hard to answer how do you explore that in a process like yours. Well, I, I think I think a process like ours is is ideal for mm-hmm. doing that because, you know, uh, there's one thing you cannot substitute, and it's time. Mm-hmm. There's just absolutely no substitution for that, right? Sure. It's it's not it's not only for for allowing the artist to kind of um, time to sort of get their ideas uh, into draft form whatever that is, if you're a musician or if you're a choreographer or, or if you're a designer, actually creating prototypes. And then allowing them to experiment with those ideas and then allowing them to uh, develop those ideas hmm. and and develop them so that they are woven in a really intricate way with the other elements in the piece. Hmm. And, uh, and um, you know, it, it, for us, how we, how we develop the storyline of that is that um, we started to think about, or the writers started to think about how, uh, you know, how how we process images, and that sort of led him to read a bunch of of um, material on that, and he found this book um, that was based on uh, these two neuroscience neuroscientists who wrote this book, who actually were amateur magicians. And he started to, and they started to talk about how neuroscience and magic are very similar. Mm. And the reason why magic works 
is because our brain is only able to process certain things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, we think we're amazing multitaskers, but the reality is, you know, if the magician brings his wand over here, that's that's where your eye goes. Yes. Well, he you know creates the trick over here, and the same is kind of like that for for processing images, mm. uh, uh, and they and 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 they and they explain that. So the the, the playwright sort of delves into that mm. in the story. So in our story. Uh, there are four characters. So one character is um, inspired by uh, this um, scientist um, who is an amateur magician, the neuroscientist. And he is, uh, has three subjects. And one subject is uh, this war photographer uh, who has um, suffered this, uh, um, this debilitating uh, visual impairment mm. where he can see Things, but not but objects kind of don't uh, make sense, and it's based mm-hmm. on this, uh, the man who the man who mistook his wife for a, for a hat. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so, um, uh, so he has this visual impairment, and mm-hmm. he's taken this 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 uh, shot, um, uh, and it's not really specifically said what the shot is, um, uh, but the shot has had. Uh, uh, um, an effect on him and it's had an effect on the other two characters that the, that mm. the um, neuroscientist is studying and so uh, and they meet they all kind of meet in his office so there's scenes with with the three of them so um, th- so the uh, scientist uh, so there's a scientist character there's the there's the war photographer character there's another character that's what was inspired by our daughters who mm. uh, um who are just you know very proficient with um, uh, Instagram and, mm-hmm. and and those kind of you know image apps, um, and uh, it's sort of this young character who's um, kind of reached this guru status online, and she just processes images, and she and she and this one image kind of cuts through everything, and she almost slips into the image, mm. so. Um, so she she imagines herself that she was there in that moment. Mm. This image had affected her so much, and then a, another character who has this real life condition called hyperthymesia, which is this condition that you cannot forget. And these images, oh. it's actually again based on yeah. a, a real story, a woman who cannot forget. And um, the, this these images that they process like literally thousands of images a day. And they just they have this incredible memory mm-hmm. where they can remember exactly the same thing, and they have this just this this Rolodex of just flipping images mm. all the time in their head. So, so these these four are the four characters, and they kind of form the story. And then um, there's sort of another layer of the piece where these um, poet characters come out at the beginning, they come again, they appear again in the middle, and they appear again at the end, and they have this sort of like a spoken word poetry. Um, which has an under, another underlying narrative, which is um, based on images, and at the end, mm. kind of recalls a little bit recalls a little bit of, of the Curdie shot. Mm. So that's kind of how we put it together. And, wow. and um, it's interesting the way that, like, Theater Gantua, like you said, you started the company twenty five years ago, mm-hmm. um, has an incredible longevity mm-hmm. in the landscape of theater in, in Toronto. In a landscape that does not do a whole lot of physical theater. Yes, it's true. And so there's this unique place for for physical theater where I <clears throat> does does 
do we not respect physical theater in the same way that we respect the quote-unquote traditional play? Or is it... Why do you think we don't see so much of it? I don't know. I mean, I think artists and... I mean, I think there's a lot more in contemporary performance. There's a lot more movement now. Mm. Um, And I think certainly dance companies have a lot more theater Mm -hmm. in them. And I think that 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 sort of interdisciplinary uh, world is, I think, certainly more um, practiced now than it was, Mm -hmm. again, 25 years ago. But 25 years ago, uh, you know, we were still quite young in our in our own evolution yes, of of yeah. of, uh, of creating creating original work. Yeah. We were kind of shy about it, almost. You know, there's there, you know, we, the regionals were still doing Neil Simon plays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know, it's taken a while for us to build up, build up a Canadian canon of work. Mm-hmm. And but now, like if you if you go places and you look at the kind of theater that's being produced in our city and in Vancouver and Montreal, like all across the country. Mm-hmm. We really do produce amazing theater in Canada, mm-hmm. and it's talked about in places that I that I that I go and and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm quite proud of of of, of the community and and mm-hmm. what we're able to achieve. Why? Um, I mean, I don't know. Is that true that we don't see as much physical theater? I guess I guess it's true that we don't see as much physical theater as there is in, for example, in Quebec, where right. it's sort of more of a tradition. Yes, yeah. But again, I think that there's, you know, we're we're maybe a little slower catching up in English Canada than than they are in in Quebec, and I think that's as a funding thing because they're they're just better funded there. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so. Um, uh, but I certainly think that there's an appetite for it. I think sure. audiences enjoy it, and I think that there's certainly an appetite. In, uh, judging from the amount of audition uh, requests that we get, yeah. there's an appetite from the creator to to explore this kind of work. Sure. Yeah. When I was involved with Keystone Theater starting up. Oh right. Yeah. That's where uh, I know you from. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we were doing this thing that was entirely physical because you couldn't. We you know we were limited by. The lack of, of dialogue, right? Yeah, um, and figuring that out. we sort of like originally did sort of like a similar process to the one that you described. Mm-hmm. Our first show did take like four years to put together, right? Yeah, um, <clears throat> but we were sort of looking around, like realizing that very there was nothing really like it, mm-hmm. which is a, an inter- a, a unique, like an interesting spot to occupy mm-hmm. when you're doing theater in this city where and in this country where we're so. I think, in a lot of ways, dialogue dependent, and uh, you know, I mean, how many shows do we see where it's like it's a living room? Mm-hmm. That's our set right. is the yeah. living room, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, to to take to go outside that is always a really uh, exciting mm-hmm. thing and and scary. Yes, to do. yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, we always found that, or the, I mean, when we. After we were touring The Last Man on Earth um, and hearing audiences interpret the play mm-hmm. and hearing how their interpretation was different from ours, we had to kind of like we, we fought against that for so long. Mm-hmm. Like there was a period of time where we were like, no, this is what is happening. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, we backed off and we're like, no, it's whatever they get from it right. is what they get from it, which can be a difficult spot to get to. Mm-hmm. Um what when you 
Like, what is your theater background? Why did you start doing theater? What is it that drew you to theater? Um, I mean, I, I studied theater at university, and mm -hmm. I also took classes. I was, I was, I went to, I, I started taking sort of Saturday morning acting classes when I was um, in grade school. Do you remember why that you were drawn to that? I think I was drawn to that because, um, well, I, I, I was drawn to that because there was a, a slight conflict in my in my family. My brother had become estranged from my 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 family, mm. and. Uh, And that was a bit of my escape, <laughs> to be mm -hmm. honest, that Saturday morning, kind of just, uh, uh, you know, going downtown and sort of being with a, with a group of people and playing other characters yeah. became a bit of an escape for me. Mm. Um, but certainly when I, when I uh, became more serious about it, I don't think it was uh, necessarily an escape. It was simply just a, a, an excitement and interest in it. And, and just being creative was very satisfying. It was somehow sure. very satisfying. Um And then, uh, so I went to performing arts high school, and out of that high school, I um, I auditioned for uh, the program at York, and that's where I, I trained. And while I was there, um, one of the professors, uh, you know, I was asking about all of these people that were learning about in our theater history class, mm -hmm. and, and uh, he was showing me some documentation of their work. And then he sent me down to um, the world stage. They were they were showing uh, um, a company from Poland, mm -hmm. and um, I decided to 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 go and check this company out. And I was really amazed by the work. And I started thinking about, wow, it would be so amazing, actually, to be a fly on the wall of of these creators that I'm reading mm -hmm. about. Um, uh, wouldn't it be a, wouldn't it be great to just sort of see how they make their work? Yeah, and then I discovered this huge secret that uh, that uh, that I'd like to share with, with all of my uh, uh, my you know any young people that I talk to. I I always share this, is that I discovered the secret that everybody wants to help you, and nobody knows that. And, mm. No, and, it's true. And, yeah. and, and and you know, and it's and it's really literally you just need to ask. Mm. Because I did. I started to write to all these these people, including like like Grotowski. And say, yeah. I just want to. I just want to know how you make your work, and I want to. And, and he basically invited me. Huh. And so I. So so I, I spent the better part of three years outside of Canada working with different companies, and then I landed in Poland for a year and a half working with a very a very specific uh, mm -hmm. kind of company, and that's where I kind of grew up artistically. I, you know, from all of these experiences and sort of taking the best of um, my version of the best. Yeah. Tossing everything else out and saying, "Okay, this is this is this is the kind of theater I want to make." Can I ask about that secret that you sure. shared with everybody? Yeah. <clears throat> Before you learned it, like, did you learn that on your own? Did somebody tell you, or was that no? I learned that on my own. I just, I just, I just thought, well, you know, I, I you know, won't hurt to ask. I'll just mm -hmm. ask. I'll just say, like, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to come and see how you make your work. I'm really interested. I'm willing to just be quiet in the back of the in the back of the room and just quietly observe. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want someone as a research assistant or if you want some to, someone to get coffee, I'm happy with that, too. Mm. And uh, I never got to know. Because I think a lot of people, I mean, probably why it's important that you you share this secret with people is not knowing that you can actually do that. That you can ask people for help. Yeah. You know what it is? It, because everyone... Everyone started where where you're, you're starting. Do you know yeah. what I mean? If you're a young person, they've all started there. Yeah. 
And so, and people are generally, people are generally kind and they're generally generous. Mm. They just need the opportunity to be both of those things, yeah. you know? Um, and, they, and sometimes you just have to ask for help. Mm. And sometimes they won't be able to be busy or, or, sure. or, you know, you have to be really specific about your request. Um, but I've, I've honestly uh, found that that is the case, that we've just always had um, really good luck with that. Hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's, I mean, it is a, an important an important lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, when you sort of grew up artistically with this theater company in Poland, mm-hmm. is there, this may be a very vague question, but is there something that you learned there that was like the epiphany, an epiphany for you, something that had never occurred to you before? Um, hmm. I say I learned a lot of things. I learned as much of what to do as what not to do Mm. um, when I was there. Um, And uh, some of those, some of those things of what to do just involved a a real specific work ethic and always kind of understanding that it's not finished. Mm. Nothing is ever finished. Um, Unless, of course, you never want to perform it again. <laughs> but it is yeah. finished, right? But, but, uh, but the idea of searching and the idea of, um, you know, um, pushing your collaborators uh, to and providing them with tools, hmm. you know, it's not just a matter of sort of, 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 of pushing them to and challenging them, but allow, allowing them to challenge you. Uh, and to make you a better artist. So those are things that I that I kind of took away for, from from that, uh, and just uh, just I guess I guess developing a discipline uh, or and and also a sincere appetite for um, exploring. Like mm-hmm. like you know how can we make this better? You know that's where it's at. It's pretty good now. How can we make that better? Yeah. What do we need to change to make that better? So when you're when you are at the end of your two-year cycle mm-hmm. of, a, of a show, like, so, for example, The Reflector, mm-hmm. um, once you're done that first run, do you send that on tour? Do you revise it before it goes on tour? Anytime, you... anytime we remount a show yeah. that's, that's, that's premiered, we'll always make, make changes, but what we won't do... Uh, or and, and I mean I mean that that's not totally true. I mean sometimes we've remounted stuff and and we've uh, redeveloped certain sections of the play, uh, and that's certainly true for a show that we've that we remounted a number of times called Raging Dreams, where there's uh, just a couple of of sections of that play that I, I and now it's almost a joke that we always have to do a different version of this particular scene because because uh, uh, it's just it's just what it's just what ends up happening, but. Um, but for the, I mean, for the most part, there's not major revisions. There's not major rewrites. There's not major, um, because the company doesn't have a choreographer that comes in and says, this is where you move. This is what sure. you do. Um, you know, the hard part for that, and same thing with uh, composers, we kind of compose our own music. Um, you know, the hard part of actually generating that stuff and designing that stuff is is um, has all happened. Mm. So it's I would say like once a show opens, it's tweaks, and it's also just the actors 
wielding that material, mm. you know, and, and, yeah. and allowing them to really sort of sit comfortably with it. And that really, there's no substitute for that. It's just, you just need to perform it. You just need to practice. That is what, that is what it comes down to. And when a show goes on tour, do you have people sometimes, or you remount a show, do you usually bring back the same cast? As much as possible, yeah. yeah. It just makes it easier. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, they're built in such a way that that other people can step into, and there's certainly enough documentation that happens over the the course of two years that we have. uh, When when somebody steps into one of those roles, mm -hmm. um, what's the process for teaching them something that they weren't involved in the development for? Well, um... Sometimes it like uh, for, uh, give me an example for the show that we just we just remounted a, a show called Raging Dreams, which mm-hmm. we first premiered in '96. We did start developing in '95. Mm-hmm. We did, we premiered it in '96, and we we've remounted a number of times. It's quite a popular show, but it's also a crazy show. So the show involves these five ropes, these six performers, um, and they're on ropes for much of the show. So they have to be near them, you know, climb up, beat themselves, and they're mm-hmm. also lighting themselves because they've got these special lighting devices that are attached to their costumes. Mm. Uh, they're drumming. They're drumming upside down. They're like, they have to clip in these things and reorganize this, the set and in every single scene. Uh, they're singing and there's music from start to finish. And there's mm. a wall of rain that separates the audience for performers. So it's like it rains for the whole show. Mm. So it is a pretty insane show because you're moving uh, for much of it and you're, yeah. you're, you're acting as your sort of own technician and your lighting technician and, your, you know, your, your raker, you know, <laughs> like it's, 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 it's a pretty nutty show. So that's the, one of the most difficult shows that we have to perform because it's also vocally very challenging. Like I said, you're pretty much singing. If you're not speaking lines, you're singing from top to bottom. Right. Um, and it's also physically challenging because you're always hauling yourself up uh, a rope. So in a situation like that, sometimes uh, for certain parts, we have to sort of call in the previous actor to come and and train with that other actor Mm. um but there's enough of us that have a memory of that show because we've done it uh you know you know a few times now Mm. that we can also kind of step in to help the other actors but Mm. we we i generally break it down i generally say okay we're having just singing rehearsal just movement rehearsal just uh working on and then i start to sort of incorporate all of them Mm -hmm. but they are they are complex because they're so um they're so, uh, you know, they're intertwined and they're very, yeah. they're very, uh, they're very musical. Yeah. So sometimes if you're kind of slightly off the beat, and I don't just mean that in a musical sense, like the whole, like the movement and the music, they, they, they kind of, it kind of really has, uh, it's very intertwined. Mm. Yeah. Must be, must be challenge, like a real challenge for a new actor to come in. It is for sure. Yeah. yeah. Especially with a show like that. Yeah. 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 But they yeah. always rise to it. I'm sure that yeah. they do yeah. because... <laughs> you always want to do your best. Yeah. Um, what are the, I mean, running a theater company, even for in the short term, mm-hmm. not an easy thing to do. No. Um, to do it for 25 years is a particular challenge. Yes. Um, <laughs> any secrets, any tips? Um, you just kind of really love what you're doing mm. and find some people, uh, around you. Um, you got to surround yourself with super talented people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you have to get a great board. We have a really great board, mm-hmm. a very supportive board. Um, and uh, what else can I say? I mean, it is hard, you know. It, yeah. It's super hard. It, and, you know, somebody had said to me the other day, I think you might be the longest serving 
female artistic director in the country. You probably are. Uh, and, and I think that that might be true. Yeah. Uh, um, that is, you know, a daunting, a daunting uh, yeah. um, statistic. Uh, it's hard, but there's a lot of joy. Mm. And, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a bit stubborn. Maybe that's why I've been around so long. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. What Possibly. does what does the the day to day of running a theater company look like at this at this level? Well, a lot of my day to day now in terms of administration is covered off by our producer, mm-hmm. who does uh, uh, a lot of that. Um, and you know, I was more hands on when um, Yolanda had started because mm-hmm. Yolanda is um, is our current producer. She actually came from a background of. Um, uh, as a as an artist mm-hmm. uh, so she was uh, she had done her MFA in directing and she'd done a number of successful shows directing mm-hmm. her own shows and uh, um, so uh, she had some producing experience but I, I think she sort of cut her chops here and and, and, yeah. and learned a lot about producing and just by practicing again mm-hmm. by yeah. practicing the last the last four years and so she's taken a lot of that uh, off of my plate. So a lot of my work has to do with um, um, relationships sometimes with sponsors mm-hmm. uh, in terms of administration, certainly any, anything to do with grants, I'm, sure. I'm involved with, with all of that. Um, but it, it's not quite as uh, daunting as it was in, sure. in the earlier years when I didn't have uh, a producer that, was, that, that had a lot of experience. Well, know? it sounds like a real blessing to have somebody come in and, oh, yeah, and do that. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. When you're working on a show and, you know, you start with an idea mm-hmm. and you're putting it together um, and learning what that show is going to be, mm-hmm. do you ever come across something that you say, no, we could never do that? And the reason why I ask is because thinking about this show that you were mentioning with the actors climbing on ropes mm-hmm. and lighting themselves and singing and there's the wall of rain, mm-hmm. do, at any time, does it, does, do you ever think, no, that's not possible? No. <laughs> no, I don't. No. I never think that. Mm. I always know that they're going to find a solution. Mm. And I do ask for crazy things. Like, I ask a lot of my performers. Mm. I always ask for a bunch of crazy things. But they always make it work. And I think that that's part of the magic mm. of theater is to kind of uh, allow the audience to go, oh, that is, how are they doing that? Or that's, you know, yeah. something that's unrepeatable. Or or, or that's what makes it... Um, you know, but again, you can't just do that with a two-week rehearsal period. No. You just have to have no. more time to kind of integrate stuff like that. Like when you're talking to a group of actors and, and mm-hmm. you're, you're, okay, so for this show, you're going to be climbing ropes. Did they know that when they came in? No, that... we didn't know that when they came in. Oh, yeah. You know? So they, they, the ropes yeah. were kind of introduced, um, um, the ropes were kind of introduced halfway. What, were they, were they, I'm just trying to remember for that process. They weren't. They weren't at the very beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. So the spring phase had no ropes in it. And then the fall of the first year, we decided that's what we were going to do. We were going to yeah. include these ropes. But that first year, we were actually climbing without any, any harnesses or any safeties at all. We were just literally hauling ourselves up. Mm-hmm. And then and then the second year, the costume designer said, okay, we're going to make this a little easier. We're going to build in harnesses into the costumes. And we're going to get a bunch of beaners and we're going to, you know, yeah. integrate it into the set. Uh, mm. And so we just, I mean, a lot of it was just sort of, you know, what's in your imagination? I mean, my, my first idea for this was that we would actually create these like water bladders almost 
that that would go this full 40, 40 foot length where it would have this sort of gooey material in it um, that you could actually write into. So you could actually write stuff and that stuff would sort of slowly dissolve. Mm. But, you know, my idea, you know, uh, of, and my, sometimes my ideas in physics are like mm. in conflict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so the, so, so that sort of turned into this wall of rain instead mm. of, instead of this, uh, I definitely knew that I wanted someone, I, I wanted people to see that show um, through something like oh. something that would obscure the vision. Yeah. And in fact, with, with the rain, you kind of, you kind of know, you know, it, it happens all the time. You only ever see the rain when it's, when it's lit. So at the beginning of the show, when, when people are coming in, nobody knows that it's raining. They know when the lights go out and the rain is lit, they know that it's raining. And of course they hear the sound. Yeah. And sometimes they wonder, is that really rain? Yeah. Um, uh, but they kind of forget about it. And then they kind of wake up a little bit later. But I did want that sort of sensibility because the story is kind of, it sort of transforms from one place to another. It's told in a very um, non-linear way. Mm. Um, and I did want that sense of like, you know, lying in a tent and hearing the rain and kind of your imagination goes to different places and it almost like slips into a slight unconscious place. Yeah. Mm. Um and so the, this is what we came up with uh, mm. in terms of the soundscape and the and the uh, visual. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, are there, I mean, in a, in a in a in a two year rehearsal process, mm -hmm. there are always going to be ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And uh, how do you handle moments when you think it's not going to work? I um, hmm. When I think it's not going to work, I gather my team and I say, okay, this isn't working. Mm. What do we change? What do we need to to change to make this work? Mm. Um, and I, you know, we usually come up with, with solutions to make it mm. better. And some things that we can't solve, we'll solve in a later phase. Right. Like some things are just too big to solve. And some things involve like just, you know... I mean, there's no way around it. Money, right? So we yeah. just we need a, a certain piece of equipment that we can't afford, or we mm -hmm. can't find, or it hasn't been invented yet. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so, uh, um, so we just have to kind of um, pause the idea and find find a workaround. You know, we're like, I, and I, I've, I've always said this. I think theater artists in general are just fantastic MacGyvers. They'll always find a way to kind of. Even under, even with very small budgets, to to make ideas work, you know. That's one of the things that I, I always love about theater is that there are constraints, mm -hmm. and you have to find a way to work within those constraints. Yes, and sometimes really magical things can happen mm -hmm. out of really simple things. Very simple things. That's right. Yeah. Just because we had to make it happen. Somehow. Right. Yeah. Um, when you're at that point where you're gathering your team, have you tried several times or do you, are you starting to get a sense early on that it's just not going to work? Um, I'll give you an example. Okay. We, we, um, we were trying to, there was a show that we were doing called imprints and we had, uh, in the summer, as I, as I was saying, we sort of converted the summer phases into design phases of design experiment. We were trying to get the sense of, uh, it was all about, um, 
about the idea of uh, genetic memory mm. and, you know, the idea of, um, you know, is it just your hair color and your eye color that's passed down from generation to generation? Mm. Or in your DNA, deep within there, is there actually memory? Mm-hmm. Memory of things that had, pa- that had happened in the past. So in this story, this character uh, kind of has a medical procedure and she sort of slips into this sort of, uh, you know, Alice in Wonderland down the rabbit hole kind of uh, place. Uh, and she basically goes into her into her genetic memory and she right. meets all of her um, some of these ancestors that she had um, and so so it had a lot of this play it had a lot of ghosts in it we had to try and find a way of of experimenting with that mm. so one of the things we decided we would do is we wanted the idea of of the project of, of, of projection surfaces and and you know we would we would dump oh my god we dumped so much stuff from the ceiling of the theater center you know, different types of grains and 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 sand when you was too heavy and it would you know what I mean. So like try, trying to find the right thing that could actually that it could rain this image for a while while the sand or whatever poured from the ceiling, and then it would go away. So this sort of image would appear and disappear. Uh, Cream wheat, by the way, is the greatest projection service <laughs> in the world. Yeah, nobody knows this, but it's true. Um, uh, and and one of the experiments that we thought would be really great is is the idea of smoke dried ice mm-hmm. and how do we how do we project the, these ghosts on this dry uh, dried ice so you could actually wave your hand through it and and they would be gone and then all of a sudden they were there or like pour them out of a bucket and we tried everything we were trying to figure out what the heck how does this go and then all of a sudden towards the end of the session where we were just about to throw in the towel I walked in behind the projection mm. and went, Oh my God, guys, come on this side. And it was, and it was literally, it was just, we just needed to go. We did, it needed to be a rear projection. Otherwise it wasn't going to work. Huh. So, huh. uh, so, so just sim- simple, just simple things like that. You know, you just, you just keep, you just keep pushing and pushing and sometimes yeah. you get lucky. Yeah. Um, we just got lucky because I took a walk, you know, <laughs> we were about just to that, throw the towel in, you know, for that. <laughs> I think you were saying that yeah. you're stubborn, so you try. I am you stubborn, try it a lot. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you have to be stubborn to make this stuff work. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. 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 Um, so, reflector. We've talked a little bit about the inspiration behind mm-hmm. reflector, um, and this is the end of the two year. That's right. This yeah. Is the end. So this, year. this is the 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 culmination of all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you can tell me about? Um, what the show looks like. It is beautiful. I think this show is, this is one of my favorite shows, I have to say. Mm. 25 years we created quite a few shows and I think this one might be my favorite. Mm. It is, uh, there are, um, there. the set is created from these uh, large um, scale projection, uh, screens that are, that move. Mm-hmm. And so the space is cut in sort of different ways for different scenes. And um, there are these uh, beautiful projections that uh, uh, Laird McDonald has, has created for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, sorry, but the question was how it looks or... Yeah, what is it? Just what does it look like? What does it look like? Yeah. So, yeah, it just, it looks, I think it looks really um, beautiful. I think I think the, the designers have done a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, um and it sounds really good. Like Thomas Ryder Payne is our sound designer, mm. um, and you know Melanie um, is our uh, uh, costume designer, 
and she's done a, a, a wonderful job with mm. uh, with the costumes. And um, uh, I'm just trying to think of who else. Uh, those are those are the designers. Set designers by Michael Spence and, mm. and Larry McDonald. So, as I said, they've created created these these uh, screens that are kind of movable and they sort of sculpt the space in different ways. Mm. And then on, on, then they also provide a canvas for layer to sort of create mm. stuff on. Yeah. Is it, is it like live projection mapping or is it uh, just, no, 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 mm. there's none of that. Mm. No. I think that, that projection is an underused medium mm-hmm. because it, uh, it, it can be used in some very clever ways. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I think that a lot of people get sort of frightened by the idea of it not being there, not being there in air quotes. Not that being something is not there. Oh know, right, that. yeah. Well, I mean, for me, projection is or or, or using using any kind of um, film or or video in your work. Uh, I mean, we've been we've been using it. It's become a staple in our work since two thousand, hmm. which we when we first started experimenting with it. And really, it's just another partner. It's just like, you mm. know, as, as the set is or the music is, it's just another tool for us to kind of um, help the narrative along, you know. Um, uh, um, it's, it's expensive, yeah. <laughs> I would say. It, I would say that it's, you know, you need way more tech time than you normally would mm-hmm. because of it. Um, but it's a, for me, it's a good partner. It's a good partner in the work, mm. you know. I, I like work to look um, rich and I think yeah. projection helps helps with that. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people are afraid of it because they're afraid of what if it doesn't. Yeah, work? no, I what hear if, you. Yeah. What if the the projector breaks down? Things oh, like that. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Do you have backups or or? Um. Yes. I mean, generally, um, we've never had a projector break down, and the way that those bulbs work is that they don't they don't kind of just blow mm. traditionally they sort of just get there because there's always two of them in there sure. so it'll kind of just get dimmer right um um so i'm uh, you know uh, but there's plenty of other you know ways that uh that yeah. uh, i mean when we when we were doing we were doing a show at artward the first sort of first version of um a show called identity and it was all about um the internet and 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 I mean, at that time, chat rooms is in two thousand and five, I think. And uh, you know, we had we hired these two uh, programmers, um, media artists who weren't necessarily theater media artists; mm-hmm. they were just media artists. And that was definitely a a, a a clash of culture because you know, for them, programming is sort of like it's a fluid thing, right? So mm-hmm. it's you know. You know, there's no such thing as opening night for them. Sure, but yeah. there is in the theater, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. so getting the bugs out, like I remember, even the first like week or so of like doing that, there, you know, the computer would always crash in a specific mm. place, and it would always be nerve wracking. Like we actually had a, a, a version two of a particular scene in case the computer didn't boot up at a, at a certain time. So, yeah. but we haven't really had a situation like that since then. Yeah, we we had for when we when Keystone did the Bell of Winnipeg, we mm-hmm. had this terror of the the beach ball for on the Mac that the Mac we were using <sighs> would brutal would and it happened in a couple of our tech rehearsals, and so we were like, "What happens if?" Yeah, if that happens in the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. one one night our our I think it things did go badly, and we had to uh, run out and get like, new cables and things. Yeah. 
um, during intermission. So oh, it was a long intermission. Enough. Somebody was running over to Best Buy. Right. It was like just like this nerve-wracking experience yeah. every time we got to a video element. Yeah. And that may just be that, you know, when we were doing it, you know, it's gotten, it's just gotten, that. yeah, it's, it's caught up. It's gotten yeah. so much better now. Like even yeah. literally like every year it just gets better. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, yeah. we just have better equipment to work with and, um, and we can do more, more things. But, yeah. uh, yeah, we, when we were, when we were originally working with that stuff, like, you know, I think we might be actually somebody had researched this and we might've been the first company, uh, ever to, uh, have uh, an actor on stage virtually like 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 we used to have these we, we had a tradition in gargantua mm-hmm. of having a, a different guest musician for every performance sure and uh i when we did it again i thought oh wouldn't it be fun if we had a different guest actress every night so there was a specific part that was written for a guest actress and we had actresses from like all over the place like mm-hmm. in australia and england you know mm-hmm. india whatever you know like different and the stage manager would be behind stage, and it was basically this, this, this particular scene was a story about this guy who was chatting up this girl in this chat room, and uh, he said, you know, he convinced her to find a webcam, and this is the first time they'd ever actually seen each other. Sure. So the stage manager would be behind the thing. She would make sure the actress was online wherever she was, happened to be in the world at that time, and she would say, you're on in five, and go, and then the webcam would come up and... That would be the actress performing in Toronto, but she would be in, you know, wherever she was, Dubai or whatever. And that was, and that was nerve wracking because that was really, you know, this is in, you know, 17 years ago when, you know, video, those um, cameras were, you know, they weren't built into your computer. They were still sort of sitting on top of your computer, you know, and all sorts of. There was all kinds of things that could go wrong with Yeah. And people's internet connections. That's right. That was still, I I don't know, I can't remember if it was still dial-up. I'm sure it wasn't dial-up at that time, but it was just, you know, it was, it was the, you know, this was pre-YouTube, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Did you, did you have any, any nights where it didn't go, where somebody was not able to do it? No, no, we were. Oh, you're so, so good. It was, it just worked out, yeah. Yeah. Um, Are you, and your rehearsals for Reflector now? Yes, yeah. we're in we're in tech tech time right now. So we're in the theater, uh, and we have one. Uh, let's see, what is now? It's almost what is it today? Thursday, so Friday. So we have another week uh, and a bit before we start performances. We start some previews. Do you? I mean, your your tech time. How long on average is your is your tech? Uh, usually, we have two weeks, two weeks and a bit in the theater, just mm-hmm. because it's just it's complicated with yeah. all of the elements, and we need that time to. Solidify, and I also, you know, that's one thing that I that I try to be really um, that I try to provide for my designers. Mm. Often in production, we'll sort of say you got two days to load in, yeah, yeah. and you got to get your show up, and and we're opening on you know Thursday, and that to me, you know, a designer can't really design, or I mean, they can, I suppose, but everything's imaginary until you actually get in there, yeah. And so for us, uh, it's a way of me honoring that. Um, area of the company to actually providing them with tools that they can actually play, hmm. that they have time to actually, you know, say, okay, what about this? Okay, what about that? Or let's try yeah. this or, you know, so we, we actually give them some time to to think and to try things. You and know? they can make adjustments. Yeah. Which they couldn't do in like two days. Or, It'd be really hard yeah. to do that in two days, you know. Yeah. You have to nail yeah. your idea. Hmm. You know? and, yeah. and sometimes you you. And sometimes you're hostage by it. Sometimes you get in there and you go, oh, well, there's no time to change that. So yeah. that's what it's going to be, right? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, thank you so much for, for this. Oh, it's, a great it's, conversation. yeah. Thank, thank you, you so much for the interview. I appreciate it. <laughs>